Hey, there he is. Yo, what's up? All right, so this is uh, going to be a special. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. I am pleased to introduce a new format, our first ever, Be Kind, Rewind. And we are going to be talking about a retro classic from 1987. Um, so for anyone who's not familiar with Justin and his extensive he's known for two things, not watching a lot of movies. And uh, Justin, you would say you're a big horror movie fan, right? Oh, the biggest. Okay, well, so you, you can actually introduce yourself. I kind of talked over you there, but I am, of course, joined by Mr. Justin Ayat. Hey, what's going on? Yes, I am, uh, you know, the greatest and the biggest horror fan ever to have walked this planet. <laughs> so, you know, in his quest to watch more 2021 movies, I saw that he had knocked off the Fear Street trilogy, which I don't remember if we did review them, if I reviewed them. Uh, Sarah and I watched them. She liked them more than I did. I wasn't a fan. I went off on Letterboxd. That's my review. It's not even worth going into. Um, but yeah, so I was like, holy shit, Justin's watching horror. And I don't know how it popped into my head, but, you know, it's always a good time to watch Hellraiser. So I, <laughs> under the impression that you were the Deep Space Nine fan, not Macy, because I get that confused. I was like, oh, yeah, I got this great movie for you. It's got, like, elements of Star Trek, and there's a Star Trek guy in it. And uh, to your credit, you, you did watch it. Uh, for anybody at home who hasn't seen it, I believe they're on one and two. And a couple of the other ones are definitely on Tubi. Uh, I sing the praises of Tubi all the time. I, I watch it on it like pretty much every day. Uh, so yeah, let, let's jump into it. And this is just me and Justin. So I imagine this will be a pretty uh, rapid fire short one on my way home. Sarah made dinner, but uh, I told her, you know, we're, we're recording. So it might take a few minutes. Uh, so Justin, delicious. what were your honest thoughts going in? What did you know about Hellraiser besides the uh, VHS box cover? Um, that's about it. Um, I knew the guy Pinhead was in it because uh, you guys have mentioned him before. And I was like, what the hell is a Pinhead? And so uh, besides like a term of uh, calling somebody a moron, um, I looked it up and, uh, it, you know, it was that guy. It was a picture of that guy. So that's pretty much all I really knew about it. Um, I mean, and I, it's I wouldn't say I'm not a Deep Space Nine fan. I would say... I like it perfectly fine, um, but yeah, John is the uh, is is the major fan. He is to Deep Space Nine as I am to, you know, uh, uh, Next Gen. Yeah, no, I, I figured that out today. <laughs> I had that one backwards, but yeah. Um, so yeah, so Hellraiser is one of the horror movies, and I know obviously you're not the biggest horror fan, but you're probably aware of just the whole like pop culture thing of people who aren't horror fans who like sort of know about it and they would say, you know, Oh, it's, it's probably like, you know, really scary. And like this nonstop slasher, uh, like Texas chainsaw. And as I'm sure, you know, now neither, neither one is, I mean, you might not know about Texas, but it's not the first one. Uh, so Hellraiser, the first one is like a slow burn, but appropriately paced. Cause it's only an hour and 33 minutes. Um, monster move. And Pinhead and all of them are, are barely in it. He doesn't even have a name in the first movie. He's just Lee Cenobite. Uh, yeah. And he doesn't show up until, I believe, the 50 mark. And then he's got, like, four and a half minutes of total screen time. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm trying to remember exactly, but it was pretty late in the movie. Of course, you know, um, I also was pausing it and I, you know, with the ads, which disclaimer for anybody who jumps on Tubi, they do have ads. And Josh told me beforehand that it's going to have ads. And I knew that anyway, because I got Tubi on my phone. But, yeah, they um, do have ads, but they, they do play the movies fully yeah. uncut. Yep. And uh, so I think... I think he shows up after the hour mark, to be honest with you, because I think that's around the time that, you know, she gets into the, well, obviously this is probably going to be spoilers. Cause I mean, you oh, know, yeah, if, no, you're, we're going into spoilers if you're listening to this, you know? yeah, yeah. Well, you never know nowadays, you know, I, mm-hmm. I was called, I was called by somebody, uh, a, you know, uh, a lovely name because I had spoiled like star Wars or something. Um, and so like, like the original star Wars and, yep. um, so, was that a sneeze? No, I was laughing. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, so I think uh, I think it's like around. It's got to be past the one hour mark that she gets into that hospital or whatever. So, and I mean, you know, just a, just a quick overview of of it. Uh, as Josh said, I am not a horror fan, like really at all. Uh, I. Uh, my experience with horror was that at five years old, my mom, who is the horror fan, um, decided to show me Chucky um, at five years old. And, uh, yeah, I got about five minutes into the thing, and uh, I asked her to shut it off, and I decided I was never going to watch horror again. And I've very rarely watched any horror movies. And half the time when people say to watch a movie and it's a horror movie, half the time it's not even that scary. So, like... Uh, you know, I'm sure if I got deep into horror, I would probably find the ones that are scary like this one. I was not like scared. Like when I think horror, I think like you're supposed to be scared and you're supposed to jump and be afraid or whatever. Like this was not like scary at all to me. Like and uh, yeah, so I don't know. No, so it's interesting you say that. Uh, so a couple things. If I don't say this, my better half will be bringing my head, my neck. Um, you probably watched more than the first 20 minutes of Chucky, a.k.a. Child's Play, if it was the first one, because nothing happens five minutes and there's no doll. That probably happens about seven minutes in. Um, but it's just him getting killed and then putting himself into a doll via a lightning storm, which could scare you. Uh, but the killing no, doll the, stuff doesn't the, happen for like the, a good 35 minutes. Yeah, the part that I remember was, um, I think it was like a shower scene or something. And I think Chucky like, like kills somebody in the shower. Uh, not in the first oh, one. Not in the first Oh, then maybe it was, like, a different one that she showed me. It's uh, entirely possible it was the second one or the third one. There's sort of, yeah, okay. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, to your point that Hellraiser isn't scary is, is very interesting because there are a lot of people who are scared by it. And, I mean, you know, like humor, what scares you is definitely on the uh, subjective side. Yeah. Um, this is one that had such a reputation that I and my friends, who were all horror fans, we basically wanted to have like a horror movie marathon for my birthday one year. Because uh, it's October, it's late October, right before Halloween. Mm-hmm. And I had never seen Hellraiser, so I basically got everybody together, grabbed it, and said, you know, hey, we're going to watch this and along with everything else. And it was probably one of the last movies we watched. I think everybody was falling asleep on it. Um, the scariest part, and it's jump scare, scare that can still get me, especially when I'm not really awake or paying attention. There's like 
a really ornate statue of Jesus or the Virgin Mary that they keep showing in the attic and then it's put in the closet. Uh, and then it comes back into play later and it just fucking pops out. And it's like really ominous and it'll just completely like scare the shit out of you if you're not waiting for it. Um, mm. Other than that, you're right. I mean, it's got some very, very disturbing visuals, oh. lots of gore. You know, I yeah, said it's, it's not a slasher uh, and it really isn't. But holy shit, is there some really good gore in this movie? Is that is, that's at like near the end, right? When she gets into the thing and they're like trying to get her and like the house is falling apart. Is yep. that when that pops out? Yep. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I could I guess I could like more like uh oh shit, I didn't realize I was there. You know what I mean? Like uh not yeah, really no, like exactly. scared, especially like, if you're like oh. falling asleep and then you just hear like a noise and see something, you know. Yep. Um yeah. so yeah, what we usually do is we, we walk people through the basics, through the plot. So I'm guessing you're not really familiar with Clive Barker. He's the guy who wrote and directed this one. Um so uh, he wrote the short story. Clive Barker is basically like Neil Gaiman. But okay. with horror movies, gotcha. um, otherwise they're pretty much the same. And he had written a bunch of stuff that's, you know, really good, really scary or, or just, you know, more like modern day, like Twilight Zone slash Poe for the 80s or late 70s, early 80s. And uh, mm. they kept getting made into movies and the movies were fucking terrible. It was one of the ones we were actually going to watch for St. Patty's. We'll probably do that later in the year or next year. Um so he finally had enough and said, all right, they're not going to fuck up Hellraiser. I'm doing this one. And what's interesting about that is he made a ton. But um, first of all, as we get talked, it's set in kind of maybe America. And I'd actually given you the, uh, <laughs> the mission of watching one and two because two is just can't be fun and it's over the top and it's ridiculous. Uh, spoiler alert, Justin did not watch two, unfortunately. I, I did not know. Hellraiser, but it's like you know in my top 100 i think it's like in the 60s and two is in the top 10 so i think it's the top five um yeah i got, so yeah, I got the like, a one, list like they're like definitely a... in america and the first one it's like maybe it's america maybe it's britain you know i don't know um and then there were a lot of other departures it was a a short story called the hellbound heart which is what they're making for the remake they're adapting uh and barker basically just made all the changes one of them was pinhead who was basically like kind of in the background and the soft-spoken maybe female uh and then of course became doug bradley with his presence and his booming voice and he was so you know instantly won over on the fans i mean it was like austin 316 like the next day people had pinhead t-shirts that they were just bootlegging themselves and they were like we need a sequel and we need more of him and that's basically what happened for the rest of them uh unfortunately it's one of the longest franchises. It's gotten the 10 now and a remake coming. Uh, it's one of the worst. And the fourth movie was the last one to get released in theaters. Everything else then went straight to video. And from five to eight, they didn't have anything to do with Hellraiser. The scripts weren't Hellraiser. And then they were just like, ah, put Pinhead in there and put the box in there. And they both just kind of barely have anything to do with the story so they're not really hellraiser movies but they are counted as you know the canon franchise uh there's next to no continuity uh kirsty comes back in the second one she does survive that one spoilers for that and then um she comes back in one of the later ones and i mean she didn't even need to uh there's been comic books there's been video game appearances there hasn't been an outright video game and uh you know it, it's definitely a franchise that has a shitload of fans 
but it's on the lesser known, lesser beloved side than something like, you know, Halloween, Friday or Nightmare, uh, probably because A, it's British and B, just the subject matter. You know, people like to see like teenagers stalked in the woods, bondage demons from hell kind of freaks them out. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, you know, I like I said, like it was more like weird and confusing more than like scary i guess yeah no that's, uh, that's a really uh, like, good i mean it's a it's a slow bone slow burn cerebral thriller more than anything and then it, it just keeps changing like every 20 minutes it changes its pace its formula its tone um honestly, the most the most cerebral part of it was trying to figure out if it was in america or in the uk because yeah. <laughs> like I, pretty, I only missed I, and then like i said they dubbed most of the people because the actors of course it was shot in the uk and everybody yeah. is British. Uh, but then, of course, you know, Claire Higgins, Julia, she's just fully British. Mm. Uh, apparently, she was only 32 in that movie. My entire really? life, I figured, like, oh, she's like the hot older stepmom. She was 32. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. She looked like 57 in that movie. She had a hard 32 years of life. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you have Sean Chapman as, as Frank Cotton. So, yeah, we'll, we'll set the stage. Um this was a New World picture. For anybody who doesn't know, New World was Roger Corman's production company. And, of course, he's known for just, you know, squeezing out anything on the most minimal budget imaginable. Uh, this one went on to be one of his highest grossing pictures ever. Had a budget of, like, maybe $2 million, And I think it made, like, you know, 10 or $20. Um, the and second $20 one, million? Yeah, I think so. I, I'm not, I didn't look that up, so I'm not sure. Might have made, like, $10 million, but... Uh, Even still, for that and for that, back then, uh, the second yeah. one I think did even better, and then after that, it just fell off. Um, but yeah, so the story for this one is you have Frank Cotton, who's Sean Chapman, playing like the most despicable, dirty character. He's like, um, you know, like all of the old characters that like Dennis Hopper used to play in pretty much everything, Blue Velvet any movies ever been um but but British. and then dubbed to be american and weird shit. and um you know he, he's known for being like a scoundrel and uh there's some really like weird lines there's memorable lines and there's campy lines one of my favorites is uh the brother played by andrew robinson who usually plays like this over-the-top villain he was scorpio and dirty harry uh he does in this one later on become like the bad guy um but he's, he's also like, and as father in this one and he just has some really creepy fucking lines most of which were ad-libbed my favorite is at the beginning he just goes oh he's made one of his famous getaways like it's a fucking like comic book or a saturday morning cartoon um <laughs> so frank finds this box and in this movie they really didn't explain most of the lore because it was based on a short story of a novella that was supposed to be part of a long-running thing you know as the movies go on they they flesh that out um, so we don't even get the name of the box or, or like what it does and basically it can do whatever the fuck it wants movie to movie. Uh, it's eventually going to be called the lament configuration. And it's basically like a puzzle box that when opened or configured in a certain way, opens the doorway to hell. Uh, we later find out it's not biblical hell. It's like a sci-fi dimensional hell. Um, and that's important because anybody who is killed by those beings or with those otherworldly items 
uh, they're not really dead and they can be brought back. And that's why Frank was able to be brought back in this one. That's why Julie is able to be brought back. And then the 10th one, they throw that all out the window and they're like, no, it's biblical hell and uh, God's in this movie. And that one's still. Well, in the, in the, like, when, when she's in the hospital and she's talking to the Cenobites, um, she says something about being a demon from hell and they go, I wish. Like, yeah. so I, so it kind of, so it kind of gives you a sense that they're not from hell or whatever and that they're like some other weird creatures or whatever. Well, but also, so like when uh, he shows up, his line is, you know, angels to some, demons to others will tell yeah. you to tear your soul apart. Um, but yeah, so Frank is basically on this quest of just being a scumbag and ultimate hedonism and through his travels he gets the box and we don't even really see what happens we just see like he gets ripped apart by hooks and then it just cuts to the family they're moving back into i guess what was their parents house um larry and julia have this estranged marriage and we find out like she's been cheating on him with frank or she did when they were newly married um his daughter shows up and the whole thing with the daughter is just really awkward for me in the book she was a co-worker that he was having an affair with um, and that made more sense because otherwise it's like Kirsty just shows up and she's like maybe in England maybe in America she's trying <laughs> to live with them but then she gets like a job at the pet store because they needed the scene with the creepy guy uh, so everything with Kirsty up until like the final 20 minutes or when she goes to the hospital kind of falls flat she's basically just a plot uh, yeah I thought, I thought she was gonna like uh, I thought she was gonna die honestly like within like um, probably, probably around the time, I don't know if it was like when she goes up to go to the bathroom when they're at that dinner scene, I kind of thought that maybe something would happen to her then. And then I also thought something was going to happen to her originally, like when she found like the dead body and stuff. Like I thought like, uh, Julia was going to kill her and then, or like try to kill her or something like that before she got away and stuff. So like yeah, it's it's a little it's a little weird that they kind of ended up surrounding the story around her by the end, and uh, it kind of seemed like it, it was almost like uh, they weren't really sure. Like uh, maybe he wasn't sure if if like she wanted to like last the whole time, because I don't know if like in the short story or the novella that um, the coworker you know that she was based on like is the person that at the end is like the the main character or the character that everything happens to. So but, she, uh, she yeah. is, and this is actually really, really interesting to me because again, our event. Um, mm. So what always makes me laugh is all the whole thing about, you know, female led films and we need strong women characters. We've had that in horror movies for decades. And this is mm. actually a thing that we horror fans will call final girls. Um, so anytime you see a final girl at the start of the movie, you know that she will be the one alive in the final reel, with very few exceptions. So it's interesting to me that because you're not familiar with basically that trope and how it usually goes, you didn't really think she was going to get to that place. Most people watching, and even if it's for the first time, they'll be like, oh, that, that's our final girl. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably it's probably just because I'm not used to like the whole genre and how you know the formula goes and stuff like that. It's kind of odd that people would say that... Um, you know, there it's not like female main characters in horror movies. I mean, uh, uh, which one's the one with Michael Myers? Uh, Halloween with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Like she's like, besides Michael Myers, like she's the other main character. Like, but it's almost like they don't like watch the movie and they make. Well, I mean, so again, it. like not not only that, there's there's hundreds of them, and they're almost all all final mm -hmm. girls. 
Yeah. But yeah, so um also uh not not to interrupt again, but uh uh Andrew Robinson also played uh Derek on uh um Deep Space Nine, which is I think the reason why Josh thought <laughs> I was Macy and uh <laughs> thought I would be into it because that's the character he was talking about is that uh the the one that plays the father is um Garrick in uh Deep Space Nine. Yeah, and then I found out that uh Garrick is apparently Macy's favorite Star Trek character ever. And yeah, I was like, like oh, I didn't yeah, know that either. Macy then. Whoops. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know that either. Actually I thought Quark was his favorite character, but maybe I figured, yeah. I mean, you know, everything is time. worth with him. But um yeah. so yeah, so basically just to run through the, the rest of the movie, um the new family moves in and there's a scene that, you know, all the movies I've seen not much gets me. Watching Larry cut his hand on that fucking nail moving the couch <laughs> still gets me. Oh yeah. Um, I, I'm, I mean, I'm wondering the effects in this movie just look yeah. incredible. Well, when I when I saw that, I was like, this guy like this guy like cut his hand on like a nail, and I'm like, this dude is like seriously gushing blood. Like this is something that you would definitely go to the hospital for, not just like oh, oh, it might just need like one or two stitches. I'm like, this dude has like a like a six inch gash in his hand, and he's like he's like b- severely bleeding all over the place. This is not something you just go oh yeah, you need a couple of stitches. Like yeah. this is like <laughs> you know like this guy needs to go get seen because he just lost like a quarter blood. <laughs> Yeah, so um, because it's his blood and they're related, although that goes away in later movies, um, it's able to bring Frank back. He starts to come back, and some of like the best effects still to this day, they definitely hold up. Uh, and Frank becomes this regenerating monster in the attic that he tells Julia, basically, you have to kill people to bring me back to life. And because they had an affair, she's in love with him, she starts doing that. And slowly he just comes back and, I mean, he just crushes it. Now, the guy who plays Frank, is he also the guy that plays him with, like, all this, like, weird stuff on him? Because that looked like a totally different dude. Uh, partly it's him and partly it's, it's I think, like, you know, a stunt person. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I was also kind of, I'm, I'm assuming he was in the attic. When he used that puzzle device yeah, thing, yeah, because that was where box. they found like his mattress yeah. and all of his stuff with the. Well, his mattress was in. Yeah, his mattress was like in the floor below or whatever. But then when she went up to the attic, like he like came out of the attic, which I'm like, how did he like bury himself under the floorboards? Like it, it, I was very confused through a lot of parts of this. So basically, what they allude to in this movie and then reference in later movies is with the box in this movie they're able to seep through the cracks in the wall and that's why the light the walls like light up blue oh, gotcha. um and that's how they're able to cross the dimensional barrier so that's what he did oh so he just like he just basically like put himself under the floorboards and then the blood like soaked through and basically brought him back to life right so gotcha. You know, after clumsily forcing Kirsty through the movie, she finds Julia bringing a man home, thinks that she's just cheating, and then she stumbles on to Frank. Uh, and then the altercation, she grabs the box, throws it out the window, ends up in the hospital. Yeah, plus in that scene, Uncle Freak is uh, kind of a creep. He's a little rapey. 
He's like, well, like I said, he's one of the most like evil, despicable characters ever. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was a little creepy. I was like, dude, this is your niece. Stop trying to like, you know, do like a come on line or something. Then we get our our Cenobites make their grand appearance and immediately just steal the movie, and uh, she makes a deal with them. Pinhead says, you know, I need to hear it from Frank himself because they're just going to take Kirstie at this point. And uh, he ends up killing his brother, wearing his skin, and (laughs) finally confesses. And then they come and they take him back to hell. And then they decide, no, we're going to turn on her anyway. And she uses the box and is able to send them all away. And then the house falls apart. and And I love how she, like, dimes them out right away. Like, oh, you're here for Frank, aren't you? Oh, yeah. You're here like, for Frank. Well, that's what I like about her. She's not like a good person. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's got a lot of, uh, you know, she's very jealous. She's very catty. And uh, she's just conniving. And especially in later movies, she's she's kind of the bad guy at times. And at first, I thought she was in like a, like a mental hospital because of the way the doors were and stuff. But I'm assuming that's just how hospitals are in Britain. Like those yeah. weird well, like, doors I and mean, stuff. Because it, it reminded one, me of a mental uh, hospital, kind of. Yeah, because cause the room kind of reminded me of uh, the one that Sarah Connor's in, in uh, T2. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's very like nothing's in there and it's just a bed and, and like a weird circular window door. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, and then there's just, you know, the, the last 20 minutes is, is just insane of her fighting these hell monsters. Um, and uh, basically the house falls down and then the at this point, boss of them all, dragon monster, picks up the box and flies away. Yeah, yeah that, that creepy guy the whole time, I was like, what the hell is going on with this guy? And so, like, was he just, like, watching her and, like, knowing that she was going to be the one to, like, open the box or something or to bring yeah. him back to the box? Like, Basically, was, he's supposed so to that be, was like, like, the god's eye, you know, like the devil. Oh, all right. Yeah, because I was like, and I was like, why is this dude like eating like, like cockroaches or whatever the hell those things were? I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like, it was very weird, very weird. And uh, so, I mean, I'm sure this wasn't the reaction you were looking for, you know, conf- confusion and <laughs> and whatever. But yeah, no, I mean, this, is, this is about what I expected. Yeah. Uh, I just kind of hoped you would have also powered through the second one because it's a lot more fun. But, you yeah, know, I, I, I applaud the effort. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was going to do it just, to, you know, for the pod, basically. But I was just like, I, I, I like if I could go back, I probably wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't have watched this one just because I was so confused. And I'm like, I don't really know what's going on. And so I was like, I don't want to spend like another hour and a half, like confused and not know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, but I, I appreciate you watching it and taking the time. And uh, yeah. I would still recommend the second one, but you know, I yeah, don't expect I mean, you to watch it. No, nah, it's all right. I mean, maybe maybe I'll get to it and we can do a another quick uh and I, I like how you used uh John's uh, uh was it John or was it Brent? I can't remember who came up with the 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 uh, two kind be uh or be wind or whatever the hell it was. I think it was Brent, but I mean you know, yeah. like we said it they've been putting that on our <laughs> for years. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how Brent thought that that was just like a Canadian thing. <laughs> I was like, uh, they do that all all over the place. <laughs> yeah. 
So I will be uh, reminisced if I don't mention this, because now I just walked in and Sarah wanted it on the record. Uh, we okay. watched this recently with her brother, Bobby. And Bobby does like horror movies. I uh, had never seen Hellraiser. And in the middle of it, probably around the time that she runs out of the hospital, going back to get Frank, um, he goes, I don't know what the fuck's going on. And I've been paying attention. <laughs> that, that was pretty much my reaction. I figured it was going to be. <laughs> I was yeah, like, so. what the hell is going on? But, um, you know, but uh, to kind of go back to the genesis, I guess, of all this, since you're home and, and Sarah's with you, mm-hmm. um, I actually didn't mind the Fear Street movies, <laughs> you know, to just mention that, like, you know, I, I thought they were kind of weird at first and I wasn't much of a fan of the third one, but I did really like the second one and I like the yeah, no, Sarah, Sarah agrees with you. I mean, I liked yeah. it in terms of watching it and it looked fun. It was just for me, the narrative fell apart. But, you know, I'm an asshole when it comes to writing. So, yeah. And I mean, and I knew I knew those were like um rl stein books Mm -hmm. so i mean i kind of went into it thinking that it was basically going to be like a goosebump goosebumpsy type of thing and i mean it it kind of was it was like more mature goosebumps i guess which I yeah it was like goosebumps where they where they say fuck and everybody's a lesbian but uh yeah yeah um so yeah bringing it back to hellraiser i'll tell you that when the movie came out you know siskel and ebert they hate everything back then um, the praise for this one actually came from Stephen King, who said, I have seen the face of horror and his name is Clive Barker. Um, and then he probably oh. didn't watch the second one because he said the exact same quote. <laughs> Just <laughs> copy and paste before copy and paste. with the Yeah, thing. so they, they, of course, put that on the VHS <laughs> and then you've got your cover of Pinhead sneering and holding the box. And, mm. you know, it became an instant hit with the fans. And uh, they were like, we need a sequel now. So... That was Hellraiser. And uh, nice, nice short 30 minute podcast. Um, yep, yep. Thank you again yeah, for taking the time. No if problem. You, yeah, uh... you want to do, recommend them in the chat. Um, anybody listening, recommend them on the page. Shoot us an email. And uh, we, will, we will pick this up again soon. Yeah, I, I figured it wasn't going to be uh, super long just because, like, you know, it didn't. I, I kind of figured you got the sense that I wasn't really a fan of it, but you know, it kind of seems like yeah, you, know, no, you are a fan fine. of it. That's but uh, yeah, you know, but no, these these little short ones, you know, good to the point. You know, kind of kind of get a discussion going. Yep. You know, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure we'll be doing you know random ones or whatever. Maybe we'll take John up on his offer and do a a Baywatch rewind. <laughs> Maybe eventually. <laughs> I mean, Sarah did just give me the whole series because she's the best. So yeah. I, I'm still I'm still on season seven. I haven't gotten back to watching the whole se- the whole series yet because I wanted to because I had never watched it from front to back. So uh, I got up to about halfway through season seven. So I do got to start doing that again. But I got like twenty movies from this year that I want to watch. So all right, cool. So all, all right, right man. man, have a good one. All right, enjoy your dinner. Thank you. Peace.